0: It's lovely to be able to to continue our series that we're looking together um, at about Jonah. Um, A tale of rebellion, a tale of redemption, and ultimately a tale of God's relentless love. Um, We've heard about um, God's unwavering commitment in that passage to rescue even the most undeserving amongst us. Um, And it might be helpful today to keep your Bibles open um, just because we're going to work through the passage together. Um, For those of us who grew up with Sunday school, uh, this story is one that I think we'll know pretty well. But sometimes when we're super familiar with a story we actually weirdly become less understanding of it in my experience. Sometimes we take things at face value or we think we know what's being said and actually we haven't taken the time maybe to understand it. So it's important to relegate some of those fishy myths, <laughs> no pun intended, or maybe it was, uh, and see, the fantastic, see through the fantastical element of the, the whale-based crafts that many of us will have done um, to see what God's really revealing here. So we'll start off in 117. This passage actually began in the previous chapter. And in the tempest-tossed waters, Jonah found himself swallowed by a God-appointed fish. Last week at our all-age service, we saw Jonah thrown overboard as the sailors attempted to try and appease God's anger and still the storm. The sea was raging. I don't know, for those of you who are here, this altar was a lovely ocean, which I was helping to rage very well, I might add. And in the chaos, we glimpse God's sovereign, sovereign hand. Jonah was thrown overboard by the sailors, but the Lord had prepared a great fish, a vessel of salvation. Jonah's rebellion had led him to the brink of death, but divine providence intervened. The same God who orchestrated that storm was now the God who was orchestrating Jonah's rescue. And I think as a child, particularly remembering being taught this story, this is an element um, that I can't remember actually being majored on. The whale or the fish was always seen as the bad guy. Uh, kind of taking cues for those of you who've seen Pinocchio from like Monstro the whale is how I always have imagined the whale in this story. Um, A kind of monster that Jonah needed rescuing from. But here, when we look at that verse, the fish is actually the rescue plan. It's a God-appointed fish, something that God's put there for Jonah's benefit. And sometimes we sit in that belly-like place Because, as we'll see in a moment, God's processes are perfect. And they always have wide-angle purpose that sometimes we can't capture in that moment. The body of our passage this morning, when we move into chapter 2, verses 1 to 9, in lots of Bibles, is titled a Psalm of Jonah. And if you look at it, um, it's a prayer from within the belly of the fish uh, Jonah's words here, his prayer, of revealing a heart laid bare before God. He recounts his distressing experience, the depths of the sea, the engulfing waves, and the shadow of Sheol, I think it says in, in our passages, which is just the Hebrew for um, the underworld or for that place uh, where people go once they've died. Yet even in despair... Jonah acknowledges the presence of the Lord. The God that he once fled from, he recognises here as his sole hope for survival. And it really does mirror the kind of psalmic lament that we would normally attribute to David. When we turn to, to the psalms, they would look very similar to what we're reading here. And just as the psalms are known for their humanity and their honesty... This here, too, is a guttural heart cry of Jonah as he sits in the belly of that fish. And we, too, like Jonah, might find ourselves crying out in this kind of way from the depths of different times in our lives, aware of our brokenness, guilt, and sin. And just as God hears Jonah in this passage, we can remember that he also hears us from the depths of those places. So to go through the midsection of the passage, Jonah begins to pray. He's called out to God during three days and three nights, which I think we forget sometimes how long he was really in there for. He has a new heart of gratitude, we're told, in 2 verse 9, and a renewed commitment to a vow that he's made to follow God. And in all of it, he also gives glory to God, but with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you there is a descent as we cry out sometimes when we descend into the abyss that's the place where we reach out to God and we go to those low places and then there's a lifting up as God responds both parts of that process those valleys those peaks and troughs are vital for what comes next as has already been touched on this morning. 2 verse 10, a bit of humor. Although, to be honest, in that translation we just heard, where Jonah's complaining about the seaweed wrapped around his head, I thought that was quite quite fun as well. But in 2 verse 10, Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. After three days and nights, the fish ejected Jonah, to save from using a, a more visceral word, maybe. But sometimes we don't get to choose the method of our deliverance, do we? (laughs) Jonah might have preferred a much more divine, lovely intervention. But God's choice here is that he's literally spat out by the fish onto dry land. And also, at the beginning of that verse, God spoke to the fish. There's a sense that the same fish that God appointed to swallow... God is then speaking to the fish to eject him. And again, showing that awesome power of the God that we've just sung about, that God has told every lightning bolt where to go, that he's seen those heavenly storehouses laden with snow. That God is in control of all of the things that we encounter. But then there's a completion of this process, that in the belly, where the bulk of that psalmic prayer has been said, Where Jonah's crying out to God and then remembering his goodness and repenting that in that place of repentance, God commands the fish to release him. I wonder if anyone can remember where else in the Bible we see someone hidden away for three days and three nights. Does that ring any bells to anybody? This is a foreshadowing of Christ's resurrection and as a side note this is my absolute favorite thing about the bible when we have those moments of like oh I can see Jesus and I can track him through all these places I didn't even know he was there Jesus is in the wildest of places and the stories that we're familiar with and in this story of Jonah Jonah's place of death becomes his place of deliverance Pointing towards the Messiah to come, we see that Jonah's deliverance came after a demonstration of a laying down of his life. Jonah gave his life to appease the wrath of God from coming upon others, but the fish didn't hold him. After three days and nights of imprisonment, he was alive and free. And in Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus himself draws that connection. He says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah's rescue prefigures Christ's alternate rescue sacrifice. But in Jesus' story, his fish was the tomb that became the birthplace of eternal life. So Jonah's story here, it's fun, it's funny. um, It's something that we're all familiar with. It's a story about a huge fish swallowing him. But what it actually does when we revisit that in the light of Jesus is that it points to a greater truth, that God's love transcends our rebellion. While Jonah's rescue was temporal, Jesus' love is eternal. Jonah was a reluctant messenger, yet God pursued him relentlessly in the craziest of ways. And for us, sinners undeserving, Jesus willingly bore our sins. 1 John 4 verses 9 to 10 reminds us, In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's all well and good in the macro as a big story of God's love and redemption And we can take cues from Jonah. But we're going to zoom in really briefly before we come to a close about how this story can maybe resonate with our own lives this morning and spur us to action. Jonah's initial response was to flee from God's core. How often do we, too, run from our divine assignments? We dodge responsibilities, Uh, Even in our home life, maybe it's not so divine. Maybe we just love to run away from things. We ignore promptings and we seek our own paths. Yet God's pursuit remains relentless. He calls us back even when we've strayed far. Like Jonah, let's follow that cue to repent and to turn back to God. Because repentance is not weakness saying sorry for the things we've done wrong and admitting that we were wrong is actually very courageous and a real strength. Jonah found himself in the belly of the fish, a place of darkness, a place of isolation and desperation. And our lives too, as we will all know, encounter storms, illness, loss, broken relationships, and in those depths, we cry out. God hears our prayers, even when we feel swallowed by life's challenges. When life overwhelms, pray. God hears from the depths. He is our refuge. And Jonah was undeserving of rescue, yet he experienced God's grace And likewise, we stand before Jesus, our saviour, who loves us despite our flaws and despite the things we get wrong. Jesus' sacrifice bridged the gap between our rebellion and God's forgiveness. His love is not earned. It's freely given. And there's something as well about the process that Jonah went through when he went into the belly of that fish and descended and was lifted back up of transformation That God's redemption isn't just about survival. It's about restoration. In our brokenness, God doesn't merely save us. He renews us. He changes us. There's a process. Our past mistakes don't define us. Jonah went on, as we're going to hear probably next week as we continue this series, to do amazing things for God. God redeems our broken stories And we can trust him to transform our pain into purpose. And finally, as we've discovered today in that, I hope, light bulb moment, because I love light bulb moments for us, um, that Jonah's story points to Jesus, the ultimate redeemer. There's so many parallels there. His love surpasses the depths of our sin. And when we feel unworthy, we can remember the cross. His love is deeper. any abyss we may face so in conclusion like Jonah we find ourselves in storms our own rebellions and turning away our own depths and that will look different for all of us this morning maybe we're in those deep places right now but God's love reaches beyond that, even to the depths, the depths of the ocean inside impossible places. He rescues, he redeems, and he restores. He restores things to us that we never thought possible. Lost dreams, lost calls on our lives that we feel we've ignored for too long, broken relationships that we think are unhealable, he restores So my prayer is that today, as we leave this place, we would carry the truth that Jesus' love, unearned and unmerited, nothing that we deserve, holds us in those dark places, lifts us, and sets us on dry land. Amen.